Here's the verse. Just a, a few verses past what we read last week. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. And as a father, the son in whom he delights. There's a lot you could say about this verse. And there have been many books written about this and about the, this entire theme. And it's, it's easy to go in different directions. One of the first things that comes to people's mind is, okay, so this thing that I'm going through right now, God is obviously disciplining me or punishing me for something, and I should be okay with it. And I want to tell you, I do not think that is the case. If you're going through a hard time, whether it be an illness or the loss of a loved one or difficulty at work or whatever it is, I do not believe and I don't think it makes any sense to jump to the conclusion that God is mad at you, so he's making this thing happen. I don't think that's God's modus operandi. I know there are times in scripture when God steps in in, in real time and he deals with the situation and he gives consequences for a thing. I understand that. But generally that's the exception and not the rule. In the New Testament, here's the situation. God does not deal with us according to our sins. There will be a day of judgment. Mark, you know, make no mistake about that. God's not a teddy bear. But the things that we deal with day to day, I think it's a great mistake to assume that those hard things are something he's bringing. And I think it's a terrible mistake to assume that because somebody else is going through something that they must have done something wrong. I think that's horrible. And you see that come up when there's a hurricane or an earthquake and somebody somewhere goes on TV and says, clearly that's the judgment of God. It's like, how do you know? You don't know that's true. In fact, probably it's not true. You might see the same thing happen then in their own backyard and suddenly, oh no, that's spiritual warfare, that's something else. Or just a coincidence. The fact that it's a great mistake to make that jump. So, I'm not going to get into that side of it this morning. You could go into, you know, what's God's will, what's not God's will when something happens. I don't want to get in there. Instead, I want to sort of limit the focus of the, the verse for our purposes this morning and simply talk about this verse in terms of those times where God is correcting us, either through scripture or through our conscience or through another person. And what do we do when that happens? Okay, so we're not looking at this through the grid of tough circumstances, but simply when we're confronted that maybe we're not in line. The, the first time you see this in scripture um, actually, really the second time. Genesis 3 is the first time. But the second time, we have this situation. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the, of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought uh, the firstborn of his flock and of uh, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Press pause. We don't really know why. We, we can, there's been a lot of conjecture. Was it because Cain's wasn't the best or wasn't the first fruits? We don't really know. All we know is that this didn't line up. You probably, maybe hadn't followed the Lord's instructions exactly or whatever, but at any rate, we don't know. Um, and uh, uh, so, the, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. 
The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So here we have God bringing a correction. He's telling Cain that something, uh, he's telling Cain something he doesn't want to hear. And it's clearly a correction. And in the correction, he lays out a choice. How are you going to respond, Cain? Are you going to respond with resentment? Or are you going to embrace it and grow in the process? What are you going to do? Now, this really is no different than what you and I face. So we normally, it's not such a dramatic situation. It's probably not the audible voice of God coming down and saying, you didn't do, you know, whatever, confronting us in that way. But we do get confronted when we run into, maybe you run into Scripture and you realize, well, Scripture disagrees with me. So what am I going to do? I could resent it. I can rail against it. Or I can embrace it and, and, and figure out how to grow. Or maybe it's through conscience or these other things. So that, that first one, how does God correct us today? Through the scriptures. Um, I feel like we've talked about this enough lately. I don't want to spend any time on this except to say, remember, we talked about how the law of God is good and it's beautiful and it's for our good always. So if we find... That, that something isn't lining up, well, we, have, we, we face that. Are you, are you you're gonna get resentful or are you gonna embrace it and grow? And, and it takes some humility and it takes teachability to be able to admit that we were wrong in the way that we've seen something, especially if we've invested a lot of emotional energy in a certain thing being true. But the same is true when, um, when he, the Lord convicts us when he convicts our conscience, this is another way that he often corrects us. I was thinking back to a time when my family lived in Texas. We lived in this apartment and we often had all kinds of people over, YWAMers. And right in the middle of that, of course, was Janae, who we already talked about this morning. Uh, by the way, you should have seen Janae in that setting that they were talking about, when she would go into that setting, you see this energy bomb of joy and hugs that she was, and the impact she would make, it really was amazing. She would have 30 little, you know, people following her all around the place by the end of the time. It was, it was awesome. Um, but she was over at her house, and um, I came in from a project, it was the middle of the afternoon, and she's with my wife and my daughters and a bunch of other people watching a movie. And because it was Janae, it was a chick flick starring Matthew McConaughey. She loved her some Matthew McConaughey. It was one of my favorite jokes. In fact, when she first got her cancer diagnosis, we said, Janae, when you're having trouble, I'm just going to hear, show you this picture. And she said, ah, she would do that. So they're watching this horrible Matthew McConaughey movie. And I came in and saw it. These are not my kinds of movies, and we love to joke about that. But I see them watching that. I'm like, oh, come on. And then I look over here in the kitchen, and there's a coffee pot. And this coffee pot would always do, this coffee maker would always do this thing um, where the grounds would spill over and clog the funnel. You ever seen this happen? And then it would like, it would just be spilling all over the counter. Well, that's what had happened. And this is happening while they're all glued to this really dumb movie. And so I come and I'm already now annoyed with the movie because I'm like, guys, look at this. And so I come over, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, here's what I, I'm just going to slide this into the sink 
because that's the easiest way to clean it up. So I slide it over and I bump it accidentally and the basket swings open and hits my arm and then spills all over my arm. And I, my mouth, it made one of these sound, these involuntary like, yeah, did that thing. You don't remember that, do you, Emily? You don't remember, okay, anyway. It, just, it, was, it, it was one of these like, ah, and it hurt so bad because here in our bodies, the Lord's done this thing where it's really cool. He put alarm systems inside of our bodies. <laughs> so when you burn yourself, you have this ah, 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 red alert thing where all of like, all your ears going, ah, you've got something really, really hot on your arm. Get it off. So fortunately, I was right by the sink. So, ah, and I turned on the cold blast and I'm like getting all these grounds off my arm. And it was like, it was a significant burn. It was like, ah. Now, this same thing is like in our feet as well. So if you step on a nail, you get that red alert. Ah, ah, and it goes all up your system and says, something is wrong. Do something about it. And it made me thankful for pain. Because if we didn't have pain, we might not know that we stepped on that nail. And then we continue to do damage to our feet and our bodies. You, 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 you've got dangers of tetanus with that nail. You've got dangers of all kinds of infection happening because you don't feel the pain. It's because you feel the pain that you can remove it. It's a beautiful thing. Do you know our consciences are like that? They are the red alert lights inside of your body. That when you violated your conscience and when, you've, when you got, especially if, if you know and follow Jesus, because I know your conscience can get out of whack in different ways, but it, if you know and follow Jesus, then when you violate something that he has said no to or you've, done, you, you've gone against the way that he would be and you ventured into sin, that conscience is, is blaring. And how do you respond to that? You see, in American culture, we, like, we, we hate that. We hate that thing. Because that gets in the way of our style, right? We're like, no, 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 that's legalism. That conscience thing is legalism. Or, no, you're just feeling shame. Why are you feeling shame? That's like, no, this is different. This is different. There's a thing that God does that says, listen, the reason you're feeling this way is because I've designed you this way. So, how do you respond when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit? Do you say, Lord... I don't think it's right that I feel that way and I'm going to move against it. Do you resent it the same way Cain did or do you embrace it? Finally, God corrects us through the wisdom of other people. I talked about this man on the right last week, Larry Allen. He's, uh, he was my mentor in YWAM, the one who, I, who made the quote, you know, my brain fits right inside my head. Um, he, uh, this was a cool day. This is the day that I had graduated. And, uh, and then these two also received honorary doctorates that same day. So it was really a kind of a cool time for us. Um, in addition to being my mentor, he was also the, the dad of my best friend, Paul. He is the dad. He's still alive. Um, my best friend, Paul. So from kindergarten through 12th grade, I knew him very well and was really excited when the Lord had called, uh, Sarah and I back into YWAM and uh, so I could work with him. And he was a tremendous man, a tremendous teacher and with all kinds of wisdom. So after working with him for a little while, I, I became one of, the, one of his, you know, go-to guys and, and uh, started doing a lot of teaching after I went through the program myself and, and, uh, and was doing really well with him. And, and 
I, was, I felt like I was growing quickly. Um, it just was a good fit for me. I loved to study. I loved to teach. And, and I was full of, you know, I was probably, I was in my early 20s when I had started. So I was full of energy and passion. And, and uh, I was feeling pretty good about my teaching ability. In fact, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I mean, I'm not nearly as smart as Larry, but as far as teaching is concerned, you know, that's sort of, I really was, was feeling good about myself. And then one day, we're in a class, we're over at Larry's house, um, and we're doing a class in this big living room that he has. There's uh, 15 to 20 students that year. And I was teaching, and there was one student that had a way of getting under my skin. It's a very aggressive man. We'll call him Bradley. And Bradley, he was so passionate, and he was so, he just was so quick to jump on your case for something, and he had disagreed with me, actually totally misunderstood me, which made it worse, but he disagreed and then just starts just bringing all this heat on this thing that he thinks I'm saying. And so I'm like, no, Bradley, that's not what I mean. But, well, I just don't think it's right. Well, that's not what I mean. And pretty soon we're doing this. And I'm almost yelling. And then here's what happens. Larry Allen, he stands up, he stands up, and he's, he's doing this. Now, Larry is a very energetic teacher, but he does this. He's up in front and he goes, he starts talking like this. Well, it just seems to me that I think if you really want to understand what's happening. And everyone's doing like you guys are doing. They're like, what? And they're kind of leaning in. He drops his voice so low that all of the tension has to go. You know? And everybody is then listening. And so I'm sitting and I'm hearing what he's saying, thinking I'm feeling validated because he's sort of saying what I'm trying to say. So I'm stepping in going, yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I mean, and he's going, but, 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 but. So what we really need to do, da, 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 da. And so I'm like, yes, exactly. So anyway, what I meant, Bradley, and he's like, so, 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 so. And he continues on. And I realize what's happening. You know what's happening? You guys have been to baseball games where the manager comes out on the mound and he goes up to his pitcher and he pats him on the shoulder and he says, here, give me the ball, son. Give me the ball. You're done for the day. Go hit the showers. <laughs> he was benching me. He was publicly coming up and saying, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take it from here. And, but he did it in such a disarming way. And I'm sitting and eventually I just have to go and sit down and watch him finish this class. And, and to, to be put in my place in that way was super, like it made me bristle at first. No, I want, I want this class back. I can do this. I can do this. I'm a good teacher. I really know what I'm doing. No, I didn't. It's almost like the old master going, mm, you don't know all the tricks, rookie. And afterward, I felt so embarrassed as he kept going and I realized, oh, I blew it. I blew it. And everyone goes home after the class. And I'm just sitting there and it's just me and him. And you know what he said to me? Nothing. He didn't say anything to me until I brought it up. And he was so gracious and so, so kind all the way through it. 
and I was able to receive his corrections. You know why? Because he was treating me like a son. And that's what this verse says. Understand when you receive the correction of the Lord, this is, this is a father correcting you because he loves his son. And, and suddenly that, that changed everything. I learned all kinds of stuff from that event and from then on. I learned, you know what, I really still do need fathers in my life. I still need, I need to walk forward with the spirit of teachability. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs say. Perfuses are the kisses of an enemy. When someone who loves you wounds you in a loving way and brings correction, how do you respond? Because our egos want to flare up and say, no, I know what I'm doing. Get away from, now, I understand that. And I'm not even saying the person is necessarily right, but oftentimes I think people do step in with a word of concern and it is right. And the way that we respond to that will determine whether we end up in a place of bitterness and resentment or if we end up growing. Which do you want? Which do you want? Last year, um, as I was um, getting my, uh, um, I was going through the whole like editing process for my book and um, people kept warning me. They're like, Man, when you hand over that manuscript, then it's brutal. You hand it over to editors and it's brutal. Like, because you're like, oh, they're going to want to change this and that. You're like, that's my baby. So I was all geared up. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. Don't get offended. Don't get offended. But you know what happened? I actually loved the process. I loved the process because I, I had just decided I want to be teachable in this and I want this to be the best it can possibly be. And I knew that all the edits and the corrections, maybe I was like, oh, I wish I had thought of that or whatever, but I knew they were making it better as I went through. I knew it. So I've actually started to embrace that more and more. I want to write better. I want to teach better. I want to live better. So I started welcoming that more and more. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you guys to, to, to do the same, to take on the, the to, just to embrace the fact that you're limited, to embrace the fact that God's put mothers and fathers and people who really care about you in your life, and to take that as added strength, to embrace that, uh, to, to go with what the proverb says, to embrace it, because God is trying to help us to grow, like a father to a son or father to a daughter. That's where we're at. So, that's all I have for you this morning. How are we going to respond when the Lord speaks? I encourage you to respond by embracing it and choosing to grow. Amen?